Hello and welcome to another episode of the Session Recall Podcast. What we're doing today is we're actually just catching up from where we left off from the previous episode. So we're talking about going on to songwriting as a musician, another income stream such as session work or working on your own productions, and also just touching on monetization as well. Thanks very much for watching and we'll just jump back into where we were from the previous episode. Bye-bye. Just moving away then from saying like that we're going to release our music commercially there's other ways than obviously thinking about ourselves as musicians thinking ourselves about artists songwriting camps could be something that like people sometimes do you can see like you know like collaborating so really good example of this in wales might be amy watch who obviously like started on cardiff was a solo artist and one of her songs actually ended up being Thinking Out Loud, which she collaborated with on Ed Sheeran. Working as a songwriter and working on camps, and that's another route that people can take. Obviously, writing all the time, I think that's like Jesse J sat out as that in LA, sat as a songwriter working on um, different pop tracks, Bruno Mars, similar. Who's the most successful songwriter in the world? I think it's Diane Warren. Yeah. And most people haven't heard of her. No. But then you, you bring up her song list, and it's absolutely insane. She's written Ferris Smith, Bon Jovi, like <laughs> Tony Braxton, Celine Dion, and everyone. Yeah, and a lot of big artists who you think are just artists, but they've written songs. Some of them write songs for lots of other people as well. You wouldn't necessarily know that they write for other people. You just know them as a big artist. But yeah, we work with people, don't we, who they write, they, they work on their songwriting, and then they write songs that aren't necessarily in the style that their band would do or they do as an artist, so they don't record them for themselves. But what they do is record those songs for publishing, get other people to do them or get them onto films or get them onto adverts or get them as jingles or whatever. And I think honing on your songwriting skills, you don't just have to write just songs that suit um, you as an artist. You know, that's another way if you're a good songwriter and you're getting some positive feedback on the songs you're writing for your band or for you as a solo artist then why not progress your songwriting be a songwriter as well in parallel to your yeah. to your band because it's another it's another revenue stream again very competitive but yeah the songwriting camps going on the camps picking up the tips tips working with people becoming a better writer learn how to maybe you want to start getting into writing pop stuff or something like that but you're not necessarily a pop writer then learning off guys who do that for a living successful guys so yeah the workshop's a brilliant way to kind of expand your songwriting and one of the things that would normally happen i suppose is then is like if you do go into them is thinking about like, like the contracts that might be in place or thinking about agreements in terms of how like you how the song would be split in terms obviously one of the things that happens i think like the song will get broken up into lyrics and music. So it's like, it's normally 50% for the lyrics, 50% for the music. And then it's like, sometimes you might need to think about sitting down and working out well, who wrote what, who did what. Yeah, do that. <laughs> do do that very early on. It gets messy. It's one of the things I've actually mentioned. Like we did a band foundation checklist, which you can download for free. There's a link in the description um, in the show notes as well. It was like one of the bands that I worked with is there was a difference, a difference in opinion about who should get what. Because you, you have bands like you 2 where I think everything's split equally between all members. So like lyrics, music and everything. Yeah. And then I know, for an example, like Stereophonics, I know Kelly gets the lyrics and then the music might be split between them. And then in other bands, it might be split on a per song basis. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, obviously, you know, over the years, been working with many, many bands and I've actually sat in on some of the meetings and encouraged them, really, people to yeah. talk about them, have a definitive way. Some bands, like you say, if there's four in a band, they just go, no, everything's split equally. Someone brings an idea in, the rest of the band work on it, the song gets constructed that way, people throw their ideas in. But then someone might come in with a finished song and the others might not have much input on it, but they're still going to get 25%. And you can say, well, that's not fair because the other guy did all that. But in that deal, that other guy is free to bring his own songs in as well. So yeah, getting that, whether it's everyone's getting it equally, no matter who does what. But I've sat in on some meetings where everyone literally goes through how many words they wrote, through how many chords, whether someone adjusted a middle eight, and then they work on that. And 
they end up with crazy splits between, oh, someone might get me just just 3% or something. But they do that for every song. And other times there's just one songwriter in the band and the rest of the guys in the band are just happy for that one guy. And that guy gets everything. The guy gets 100% of the publishing. And you could say, well, that's not fair. Well, they're still getting their royalties for being in the band and the performers um, and their sales, but they're not getting any of the publishing. But they also haven't got any of that pressure of of uh, writing successful albums, you know, and you've just you've done a successful album. You're the one in the studio day in, day out, making sure it's... Yeah, it's uh, how it should be. Then you go on tour. Then you come back off tour, which could be 18 months away from friends and family. The rest of the band go and have a bit of a bit of a break. And you're like, I've got to write the next album. You know, and you can't just turn it, turn it on and flick a switch. No. So it's a lot of work goes into big artists and a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. But getting that in place and, or, you know, like you say, if someone's usually the chief songwriter, but then someone comes up with a part and comes in the band, then you just go, okay, that's a really good con- contribution to that song. So yeah, there's 10% of the publishing. Get that written down. So you can have a standard contract written up and I'm sure we'll be doing a bit anyway on kind of contracts and splits and everything. Uh, yeah. We're going to have a music lawyer in with us who will be online and you'll be able to ask them questions about things like that and you get get a standard contract drawn up and then you can just tweak it then tweak the numbers for wh- whatever you want to do but do it before it's released before someone you know we're going through it at the moment with one artist yeah and she's having <laughs> she's having a nightmare so it's best to get it all in place written down beforehand yeah songwriting again it's another way of like say say you have songwriting in the background you're not a lead artist you're not like a featured artist is what it's sometimes called you don't have to go on tour but you'll get every time that song gets played live if we go back to the performance of the song you're going to get that as a royalty so all that's coming in on top of the sales and everything but you don't have to have like that risk of like being like Taylor Swift or whoever like going out and performing so like Amy Walsh doesn't have to go on tour about cheering but every time he plays in the festival she she'll get a songwriting royalty yeah. from she's actually a really good performer as well and um... yeah She's she's great, but a great example of someone who's just a brilliant songwriter, brilliant performer as well, but just brilliant songwriter and turned her hand to that side. You know, once you start having the success, then realizing, right, okay, we're focusing on the songwriter, getting better as a songwriter, and then yeah, passing that knowledge on to other yeah. people. Next one. Um, I'm probably gonna combine these two together actually. So that I've got them down listed as you've got session work, and then possibly then the other option, and on top of that is producing other people. I think a lot of people might have come through this way. How I started, I was always a musician. And then I just used to record the demos before we went in the studio. I thought, I could do this. Off I, off I trot to my own little place. I didn't have a clue what I was doing. I started recording, you know, started recording Friends for free and stuff. Gradually progressed into producing in my, mm-hmm. my own studio and everything. What we're seeing now as well, especially in the last, what, two years in terms of COVID and like lockdown and remote work. And we definitely use quite a few people who are like session players. Say a really good musician who's been in the studio. If there's somebody who really stands out, we might call them back in for another session. Yeah, if that's a guitar player who's got a unique style or we saw a drummer do something and then a session comes in who's looking for a drummer, yeah, we've, we've got a list of people then that we can, we've got that person that's going to be, we were just talking about it before actually, weren't we, who was yeah. going to be suited to a certain session and why. And we came up with a list of names and reasons why and then we pulled in a whole band with, full of session musicians. I think that goes back to one of the previous episodes when we were talking about um, General Ford's Army or Daisy Flame and the Porcelain Cage. Yeah. Sometimes I actually stumble on my own name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, then just think, okay, these these musicians would be really good. And then with obviously with technology and stuff now, like recording equipment isn't that expensive so having your own setup at home and if you can record because like i know you get stuff sent over all the time we do a lot of strings remotely don't we yeah well, you get a lot of strings remotely i don't as much the benefits of that obviously we've got someone who's really good who does um a lot of stuff for us be another great guest to have on actually andrew griffiths not just is he good and comes up with great parts whether it's brass or strings or orchestral stuff you're doing by sending it to him is you're saving on studio time so when we talked about in podcasts before about the use of studio time and making best use of it i mean we can program strings and we can do it but it 
it'll take us a little bit longer than him, but we can come up with the parts. But while you're in somewhere like Rockfield and I'm just sat at a computer doing that, that's eating up valuable studio time in a studio that has big live rooms and nine bedrooms. And I'm just sat there on a on a computer programming strings or whatever. And even if you get a quartet in, that's great to have to have that in, but it's eating up studio time as well. It's a great experience. But if you don't have the time, then sending it to someone remotely. So if you're good at that and if you're good at beat detective for drums on Pro Tools, it's a service you can offer. And if you're good at string arrangement, then it's a service you can offer because it's great for us to be able to send it we can carry on working we get them back we've lost zero time and the amount of money you've paid is worth it and you've probably saved more for what you pay for a service like that than the amount of studio what it's cost you in studio time for a producer a studio an engineer yeah and it's and, and one of the things i recommend for artists is as you're developing if you've got a setup where you can do that, I've just been working with someone in Dublin where um, they're, they're offering now, they're offering mixing and like guitar session playing online. They're doing it through Fiverr. It's something that like it'll develop over time, but if it's something that like, you use as a side gig, a side hustle, if you take that recording rig with you on tour, there's no reason why you couldn't do some of the recording on the bus. Like, or like when you get to the venue, then I like, just set it up and go, I just need to record a bit of guitar, like DI or whatever, I can reamp it or record it on the stage. And and the keys as well, like it's something that if you can do and there's like another service you can do from the comfort of your own home. I know we've done a session. Old Shirley who came in, like gave us a song and we recorded everything. I think I did a recording for the keyboards and the bass in my friend's cat's house and then sent it over to you for adding the extra the final bits. Yeah. So it is something that um, there's, there is, if, if you're in demand, normally people might approach you for playing. And if you make a good impression, it's always, again, this idea about networking. Yeah, I think if you've had a really good session, if you're working with a producer, the session's gone well, and you're the drummer or something, and it's gone, you know, down really well, and you've had really good comments, I think a little email to the producer after the album, just saying, look, loved working with you. If ever you get a session that I could come in on, you're looking for a session drummer, I'd love to do it. Obviously, you know what how I play. And then that's in the mind of that producer then. That's your business card, is you've already, they've already worked with you. They know how fast you work. They know they can throw things at you and you can handle it. So, yeah, definitely put your services, little email to the producer afterwards. As musician you can also ask like a testimonial because when yeah. one of one of the people we were talking about i think on one of the sessions is oh yeah what about this guy <laughs> he got on the website and my testimonials on front and center whatever <laughs> i completely forgot i even did it yeah you get a little you know put it up on your website or the people you work with every time you go into a studio for your own stuff yeah get get whoever's there this you know the engineer, the producer, or whatever, or if you're doing a live show, if you're touring with a bigger band, get 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 a quote off the bigger band. You know, yeah. what do you think of the show? Content as well. Just film, just film yeah. you playing along. Film you at, at the gig, at the studio. That all re- enhance what you're doing. I've seen it a few times where the artist obviously done like the, the band and they, they've got their own little recording setup, and then talking about producing other people. In a way, you did that a little bit from working at Rockfield. You had your own recording setup. You're doing demos. And then yeah. you were getting called in as well. And my 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 path as well, I started out as a musician first and then kind of fudged together my own approach to record and kind of taught myself and everything. And then if if you've got a space that you can record with, you might have people going on, like if you're recording your, your own band, you might get approached about doing other sessions for other people. As a musician today, just trying to think about, right, what are my, what are my strands of income? Where am I going to make my money from? Well, I, it's not just we're going to blow up and become massive, we're going to have a number one hit, but there's like loads of different income streams that we can look at. Can we manage our time? Can we get, can we split this and make it sustainable? Yeah, because people always think about, I need to have another job to sustain my music, but maybe music is that other job. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and their focus is their music and their band, and then working nine to five or whatever to fund it, so they get weekends off to play gigs. Or what? But um, your job that that funds your music can be music. It's it's tough. Not gonna, you know, 
there's a lot of, a lot of people trying to do it and it's a tough market but if you just put your mind to it, these little bits all add up yeah because the other things as well like teaching yeah I mean we know we work with lots of people don't that's how they make their money uh, you know to subsidize their their own music is they're teaching in the week or whatever and they can teach an online or teaching in person they may be playing in function bands as well because they can go out and do the wedding on a Saturday or whatever and it's 250 quid in their pocket so yeah, yeah then they kind of got a bit more free time to work on their own music because they haven't got the constraints of a nine-to-five job or shift work or anything yeah. and they can do their let schedule their lessons around their their life and they can take gigs at weddings and things like that if they want to you know as and when uh, they need to definitely if you can have a career in music to subsidize your music then it gives you a bit more flexibility because you're your own boss to be able to say well i can't do that because we're on tour with them then constantly you need a very understanding boss to get lots of time off to yeah whereas if you're in control then yeah. you can do that but again it is work but then there's always people looking for like as a solo artist you can go out and play during the week like my mates play in Live Lounge in Cardiff and there's, there's like a weekly slot at like four o'clock, four till six. And that means that if they need to, they can go off and gig in the, in the evening or whatever, go out and play. And like they normally know their schedule. For some venues, they might know their schedule a year in advance. Yeah. And they can go, right, I, I want to have two weeks off to go on tour. I want to have a month here or something. And they, they can do that. And like there's definitely like a few bands that I know of that they do that. They, they've actually used their music to kind of do it um, yeah. in some way, in some shape or form. Even it is just go out and do like a show under a different name. Well, I'm going to be talking talking to two full-time musicians next week actually on a session that I'm on in Rockfield so I'll be talking to those guys and how they made the switch from having full-time jobs and trying to do their own music on the side to becoming full-time musicians and how they've sustained that what they've had to do to keep that going they've been doing that for years now you know what kind of income they get from it how many hours they have to work we'll be talking to them about all those things um But for them, it was making the leap. That was the hardest thing. They had a regular job bringing in regular income. And maybe that's, especially if you start having kids and mortgages, that's a godsend. But it it was having the confidence in your own ability to make the leap and then how hard did you have to work? What did you have to do? What did you have to get involved with? Because they both do their own music, but um, it's not their own music that makes the money. All the other aspects of their musical career that makes the money, but that enables them to also make their own music and tour their own music and be a musician as well. So, yeah, we'll be talking to them about all, um, all yeah. the aspects of how they made the leap and made it work for them. Recap. So we've talked about merchandise, you know, people starting out. Uh, where the money comes from. We talked about royalties in terms of live performance, songwriting, mechanical royalties, and sound recording. Talked a little bit about publishing, talking about songwriting, session work, but, you know, also like working as a producer potentially. And as Nick said, we'll be looking at going to like interviewing other people for one of like, the future podcasts. The final thing as well, like it's probably one of the ones that people might think about first of all, is thinking about like the monetization and brand deals online. So the most common one that people might think about is YouTube. So monetizing on YouTube, I think you need 4,000 watch hours and 1,000 subscribers. When you say like 4,000 hours of content over the course of a year, it sounds quite a lot, but if you regularly update and putting stuff out, it can work really well. But then you see artists like, um, you see people like, say, Chris Buck, who's from South Wales, like, you know, he's been a guitarist in tutorials or videos and stuff. And like, you've also done, was it James Hargreaves? He did a lot of stuff where he's actually breaking down like content and he's actually doing descriptions and stuff. So it's not always just about, you don't have to just go like buy my music. It's actually making a show or talking about something that you're interested in. And there's quite a few examples of people who are doing that. I know what's like Justin Hawkins is doing his um, YouTube and like it's being supported by Patreon. <laughs> yeah, following his Instagram. He's so, he's so good on there, isn't he? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's informative, it's funny, it's witty, it's very intelligent, and it's in-depth when it needs to be. Yeah, he's doing and 
brilliant brilliant channel yeah and like and then chris i know when he started out he was doing a lot of um guitar reviews a lot of like techniques and breakdowns how to play this how to do that and obviously he had his band on the side as well like back in evans gig and obviously he used to go up touring and managing and obviously he's doing cardinal black as well and i think cardinal black are really really tight really good bands but all the work chris has done in advance obviously like that's helped in a way help him establish yeah. And like and he's had like a team of people, but like it's that support from what he's been doing. It's not something that's happened overnight. This is like a long tail kind of idea. It's been a good few years. I, I mean I've known Chris now about four or five years, maybe. And it's not something that just, just happens. He's just become big and get a hundred thousand subscribers. It's something that's gradually evolved and it's just kind of grown exponentially. When you're starting out, think about it. Think about what can you do that provides information and value to someone else. But not just go like, here's my track, and then just expect to get like monetized straight away. As you develop your brand, as you develop like your following on on these on all these platforms, developing yourself as an artist, you might find that like people start approaching you to like say, would you be interested in doing like guitar endorsement or something? You might get some free equipment or something like that or like the string endorsement one is normally pretty common as well so it's like all these things that as you're developing and building you can kind of get you can get these like endorsement deals in place and then you might get invited out to do like trade shows with the band to kind of perform as well and that can all enhance your profile yeah and it all it all adds up you know if you can get symbol deals or stick deals or string deals like you say it's money you don't have to spend technically it's another form of income because you've got to spend that money if you're a touring musician or a recording musician so yeah if you can and then you might get featured on the adverts as well so they they might actually pay for you to be in a magazine i remember like another artist i worked with in rockfield i said ben montague he had like headphone endorsement deal and then i remember opening up magazines oh that's ben He hasn't had to pay for that, advert, but they'll put a little link or something to him yeah. to his profile. And then I know like Whips, like Burning Crows had like, um, is it Vintage? Yeah, Vintage yeah. Guitars. And, then, and don't forget his vocal zone endorsement as well. Yes, he does have a vocal zone endorsement. And they had like string endorsement deals as well. And all those things help artists and everything. But it's something that as you're building and developing it, it'll be something that to think about. This is what we'd like in our goal. It's like, where do we see ourselves in five years time having that plan? And then might be able to like work backwards and build it from that. I think that kind of covers most of the things. Is there anything else that we can add to this Nick? not that we're not going to cover in um other podcasts and yeah. courses that we're going to be doing and in interviews cool let's go so, in some money john yeah let's go in money so as i mentioned earlier on we've got a checklist available for you to download it's completely free it's sessionrecall.com forward slash i'll put the link on the website i can't remember band checklist band checklist there it is oh god i can't even read my own thing it's right next to it so session recall forward slash band checklist that's free it's a pdf guide it's a couple of lessons and stuff that'll come through on your email so check that out have a look at it and it's just basically expanding a little bit more on what we talked about today um thank you very much nick and see you all again next time Bye.